Walt Disney. Yes. Beloved, beloved figure of our of our pop culture. That's how they get you. Yada, yada yada. She eventually causes her own husband to be burned to death. And that makes me so happy on cold nights. It especially ended badly for the idiot Peckerwoods. Have a bottle oh, of wow. scotch. Okay, that's twice that he's mentioned redheads. <laughs> it is un-American to get in the way of our freedom to restrict people's freedoms. That was the point. Okay. Title. Yeah. Okay. But, I know plenty about but, these things. But, I love me some Bobby Drake. Yeah, well, yeah, if that's flame, all we've got, then we're darts. being really lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all bone. You can literally poke a hole in it as soon as someone gets pneumonia. Well, I'm yeah, not as old as you. Well, haha, motherfucker, I got a wizard. teacher uh, and part-time uh, English teacher here in Northern California, right now doing all of that through an internet connection. And who are you, sir? I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a full-time Latin teacher teaching full-time distance learning through an internet connection uh, here in Northern California. And uh, for the foreseeable future, we'll see how long this lasts. So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I know you know, in, in, in my own case, my district has uh, indicated that uh, we are not going to go back any sooner than uh, Jul- uh, January 14th, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because um, <laughs> word has also come out from uh, Solano County, where my district is located, that uh, if Solano County doesn't get their house in order quickly, uh, they're going to go back into the purple tier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, for those of you not in California, uh, in the roadmap to reopening our state's economy, uh, purple is, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. That, 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 is, the, that is the most restrictive tier. And, um, yeah. Here's so, how bad it so. is. You hope to be in the red. And I've never known any time in my life where I hope to be in the red. I don't even like medium rare steak. Like, red is never something I want to be in. Like, that's just not how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. you and, and uh, Vincent Valentine on the yeah. race car in the red. Yeah, yeah. Race car in the red. Yeah. So. Hey, motherfucking race car in the oh, red. Oh, Vincent Vega. Vincent Vega. Vincent Vega. Yeah. Thank you. Vincent Sorry. Vega. But, uh, yeah, uh, we, we we are still in negotiations. Um, <laughs> still. Well, yeah, because, you know, yeah. that's that's the state of existence in your district. Yes. So. You know. Uh, you're either in negotiations or you're, you know, on the verge of strike. And yeah. it's not really, you know, in, in, in the time that I have known you, <laughs> and, and certainly most especially in the time since we started doing this podcast, mm-hmm. I have never known your, your district to be in any state other than one of those two. You know, I was doing the math. The kids who graduated from me last year were kids who were born largely because of 9-11. Literally because okay. of 9-11, okay? In yeah, their no, time, we, yeah. in their time in school, when they were hitting about second or third grade, very formative years, the housing bubble collapsed. And you had tremendous economic, like, destruction happening. People were living with other families. Like, it was, it was a very bad time, and there was a lot of uncertainty and chaos. By the time yeah. they got to high school... Um, we started having smoke days where you had to take the day off because the world was on fire. Yeah. We started having, uh, well, we almost went to a strike. Then we did have to go to a strike. Then we had uh, the Parkland shooting, which then spawned the copycat uh, stuff that we had to deal with of a bomb threat and a live shooter threat, both on the same day. And then the next year, COVID hit. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Then the next year was the strike. Then the next year, was, COVID hit. It was another actual strike. And yeah. Then, and then the year after that, COVID yeah. hit. Yeah. These poor kids. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's, no, they've it's, been through. Yeah. It's six shades of bad for them. So Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Speaking of uh, horrible times. Um, yes. And the Depression was yeah. a horrible, horrible fucking time. Yes. Yes. And it led the way for fascism. Now, as of this recording, we're four days from deciding which way we're going to go on that. Um. So that's fun. Uh, But in 1943, there were several countries that were very much headed that way. And there were several who were like, no, we don't really like that. And there was a whole war on. Everybody showed up. It was a good time. Yeah. 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 
So uh, we have been talking about Batman for the last, yes. I don't know, four yes. or five episodes. Yeah, we have. Yeah. And really, so, okay, to be to be honest, mm-hmm. I've been talking about Batman yes. ad nausea. Yeah. Um, my my wife actually, uh, for for those of you in the audience, Dam- Damien already knows about this, but at at the end of our our last recording session, um, my wife had come down at one point in the middle of us recording and had been puttering around in the kitchen and and left. You may have heard her in the background. Don't know, but um, <laughs> when I went to bed that night after recording, she said. So did Damien do any talking? <laughs> Such is like the power smirk, of this podcast. Yeah, like like with a smirk on her face, you know, because <laughs> like you know, she's giving me a hard time. But sure. yeah, so so I I uh, held held forth mm-hmm. at great at great length, uh, or <laughs> although maybe not great brightness, but at great length <laughs> uh, about about the history of the comics and, and mm-hmm. you know my my central thesis there, and so. I had thought in the process of doing that that mm-hmm. by bringing the history of the comics up to, you know, the 80s, mm-hmm. that I had been teeing you up to then go into the history of the movies. And you had. And well, and I had, but in in our in our conversation after we finished recording, I mm-hmm. found out that no, 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 no. The history of the films goes back like way fucking farther than I had even imagined. Like I knew yes. there was the 68 film, uh, which was, you know, based on the TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I had been thinking, uh, I know I'm flaking on the name, uh, the director of Tim Burton, Tim Burton. I had been thinking Tim Burton was, you know, like the the genesis of of the character on the screen and on on the silver screen, and turns out I was like way ridiculously fucking wrong. Wrong by about forty five years, yeah. Yeah, by a very very long long period of time. So yeah. So so enlighten our audience uh, and and maybe give them the the same you know mind blown kind sure. of moment that I got there. Where where does this start? In well, cinema. if we want to understand Batman in cinema, we have to go back to Ubu Roy. <laughs> <laughs> the look I just got. You beat me to it. Yeah. Because I was going to make the same joke. Um, no, that's... And, 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 and this, ladies and gentlemen, is how you can tell that one of us has gotten his master's degree and the other one has not. Um, I'll give you three guesses which one of us it is who, you know, spent the time doing the research and yeah. historiography. Not me. <laughs> well, uh, fun story oh. about getting my master's. During two of my historiography classes, two of them, two different ones, um, the professors, independently of each other, said specifically when writing, because, uh, you know, they're like, okay, now we want like a four to five page historiography. I'm like, all right, cool. And they s- looked straight at me and they said, Damien, no more than six books. And I was like, really? And they're like, it's a four-page paper. You don't need ten books. And I was like, but I need to address, like, the historiography. I need to look at, like, all the seminal works that led, like, six books maximum. Okay. Tops. Yeah. Tops. And what I always pointed out was that, uh, you know, because, and everybody else was just like astounded because I was also teaching and all that kind of stuff. And what I always pointed out was that, in fact, other people could do more with less. I was deficient. That's why I needed all that extra books. And I think there's some truth to that. Okay, I, I get I get where the imposter syndrome attacks you along that angle. <laughs> No, I, I really do think that it led me to being better read and all these things that you've okay, known me well, as. Yeah, okay. But I do think that other people were able to analyze deeper and better on the books that they did. Whereas I did a, a change over time. If I had more data points, I could chart it. Oh, but okay. they were able to really get in there and, and like just oh, okay. hash okay. it up so, between two of them. Okay, so so more more an issue of your your perception Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to give a great deal of credence to your interpretation, but you are. You are because where the fuck do you find the energy? <laughs> uh, Dexedrine is a hell of a drug. Is the only answer I can think of. Um, <laughs> Except you know I don't do anything. Yeah, I, I know, which like is fucking unfair. But um, 
so so the 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 the, what what I get from that or kind of what I take away is you you your perception was other people were able to get you know an inch wide and a mile deep Mm -hmm. and you had to go mile wide and an inch deep yeah to get the same volume okay yeah same same amount okay all right I can I can understand that I I yeah still Um, you chronically leave me feeling woefully underprepared whenever oh. I'm going to be doing a topic. Because well, cool, like, I pick my you know, topics, like in you know. This is true. So, yeah. but, but okay, anyway. so so we so, got to go to 1943, which is what okay. five years after Batman came out as a comic. Uh, came out in 38. Okay, 30, 30, 39. 39. Okay, I'm trying to remember, but anyway, yeah, it's been a week, and I've okay. forgotten all my dates. Sure, sure. But yeah, four or five years. So 1943, we have the first Batman on the silver screen. But it's not a true movie. It's a serial. Um, But it still counts. So it's, I believe, a 15-part serial. Um, And it stars a man named Lewis Wilson, who was the youngest man to ever play Batman in a movie. He was 23 years old at the time. Holy cow. Yeah. And and unlike the Superman movies where like everybody who plays Superman is somehow just fucked. Um yeah. Wilson seemed to le- live a pretty decent life, deciding to leave behind show business after about 1954. And he eventually went to work for General Foods and he married a novelist. Um, really? Yeah. And he dies at the age of 80 in 2000. All right. So in many ways, he was a thoroughly unremarkable person. Um, and, and I, I think that's a really good thing, honestly, if you were in the movies and then you have an unremarkable life after it's better. Yeah. I think, yeah. 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 Based on, yeah. Yeah. The way, the way, the way the rest of those biopics tend to go. Yes. Is, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the best way for things to end. Mm Mm-hmm. So quietly, quietly in your bed, surrounded by your loved ones. Now this, this movie had Robin in it and Robin was played by a fellow named Douglas Croft who was only 16 when he played Robin, who was also the youngest to ever play Robin. Logically. Previously, he'd played the young version of Lou Gehrig in Pride of the Yankees. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, And much like most of the people who play Robin, his life is bad. Uh, (laughs) He dies at the age of 37 in October of 1963. I just point that okay. out because the very next month something else happened. Um, he yeah. dies of alcoholism-related ailments. So, the that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> like reading, it, I was like, "Oh, this is sad." So it was a 15-part Batman and Robin series, uh, a cinema serial, and it was just called Batman. And it was, mm-hmm. as most things would be at the time, set in World War II because it's 1943. And in this one, Batman is somehow a secret U.S. agent, and he's aimed at defeating the Japanese and their t- schemes to take over Gotham. Okay, wait. Yeah. Hold on. Sure. All right. So it's 43. Yes. So we're in the middle of WWII. Yep. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's working as an agent. So Batman. Mm-hmm. Working as an agent of the U.S. government. Yes. Fighting the Japanese. Who are trying to take over Gotham. That's right. Trying to take, who are trying to take over mm-hmm. Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. In a 15-part serial. That, that, I kind of want to watch that now just because that, that sounds like the kind of thing that Philip K. Dick would have written as like an alternative an alternative history Batman. Yeah. Like, like in a parallel universe, this is who Batman was. Like there are so many elements of that that are not Batman. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, at some point he brandishes a gun. Like some of that was Batman-y. Well, well at that in, time in 43, that was still pretty Batman-y because that's, yeah. that's before CCA. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the prohibition against, I will not kill. I will not. Right. Right. You know, yeah. he was he was still you know fighting mobsters and and right. know, crime syndicates and well now he's fighting the Japanese. Okay. Yeah, who are from a real country defending yeah. a fake city. Yes. Yeah. Well, 
Okay, and and yeah. there's a certain level of of uh, license and kind of forgiveness that I think mm-hmm. we kind of need to give the production team here because it was 1943, and you know, <clears throat> every, everything wound up centering on the war, whether it did or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I can kind of understand that, but like, do we know? Is there is there any record of like there having been? a representative of the uh, Roosevelt administration in the writing room going, you know what? It'd be really awesome if we could get Batman behind the war effort. Like, no, not really. Uh, okay. It's it's just they're they're trying to cash in on people's interests. And honestly, like you said, the, the war has infiltrated most writing rooms. And, and we know that this will hit hard. And so let's take Bruce Wayne's girlfriend, Linda, and uh, have her uncle get captured by the sinister Dr. Daka of Japan, uh, who I found... I just, I just yeah. want, to, want to throw in here, okay. that's not even actually any kind of Japanese anything. Daka. No. But anyway, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. So Dr. Daka of Japan has captured Linda's uh, uncle, and Dr. Daka is actually, here's a fun one, played by the same guy who played Rasinoff in Bojest. Now, that is absolutely narrow casting because my dad and I love the movie Bojest. So Rasinoff <laughs> is the, the skinny little mousy fuck who, uh, who ends up, ha- uh, he has a very hyena-like laugh. He ends up being kind of a toady to uh, Sergeant Markov. So he plays okay. Dr. Daka. And it seems as though they were ready to make him into the Joker because uh, his hideout is in the funhouse. Um, but World War II, so let's make him Japanese. Okay. Yeah. World War II, so anti-Asian mm-hmm. racism. Okay, cool. Yep. By the way, mm-hmm. since this guy played a character named Rasinoff in another movie, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to ask the question, even though I already know the answer. Uh-huh. I'm assuming this is a white guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. A white guy who looks vaguely ethnic, though. You could make the case that perhaps he comes from Siberian ancestry, maybe. So, yeah. But he doesn't even really actually look Japanese? Or did no. they, in fact, go yellow faced? Oh, they went, they went yellow faced. Um, I mean, as much as you can oh. in a black and white movie. Because it's okay. 1943. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah. I know, but still. The guy who played him was a guy named J. Carol Nash. N-A-I-S-H. Okay. Uh, it's I guess it's pronounced Nash. And he's actually just okay. an Irishman from, from New York. So Okay, well, there you yeah. go. But, okay. uh, yeah. Huh. So here's right. Dr. So, Daka, who... Okay, but, but wait, yeah. I, I, gotta, okay. I gotta... Hold on. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I, gotta, I gotta back up a bit. So Bruce Wayne's girlfriend... Yes, Linda. Linda. Yes. Okay. Her uncle. Yes. <laughs> I'm your father's best friend's former roommate. <laughs> what does that make us? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yep. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Carrie on. Okay. Just, like, no, Carrie is not on this one. She's in the next one. Is Linda. Well, well played. Well Thank played. you, sir. Thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, Dr. Daka, in his sinister plan, is, is going to steal Gotham's entire radium supply so that his ray gun has unlimited power, and then he can dissolve anything. And he doesn't just have goons. Dr. Daka has an electronic brain device-controlled goon who does his bidding for him. You with me so far? <laughs> Remember, this is a serial. Yeah, I understand, yeah. but... but um... Why Why does the city of Gotham have a radium supply to begin with? You know, it, it never really gets answered. Uh, and, and I would point uh, out it's radium. Uh, like, it makes shit glow. Like, it's, like, it's what like, makes glow-in-the-dark watches work. Or, yeah. like, young women lose their jaw. Like, it, it's and, not... And, yeah, have their hair fall out. Yeah. yeah, it's not... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Batman and Robin capture one of Daka's goons after a brawl. And they take okay. him to the Batcave. Okay. All right. Okay, uh, we're getting back on familiar. Yep. yep. <laughs> back on more familiar ground here. And right. then awesome. they threaten that the bats are hungry. <laughs> so okay. the goon, of course, caves. No pun intended there, actually. Um, well, because, you know, men yeah. weak intellect like that are vulnerable to fear. Right. 
so the goon lets on what the plans are, and the game is afoot. And so serial, 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 ray gun, alligator pit, racism, racism, racism. Uncle is an electrified brain implant zombie. Train derailment, victory plans rescued, and the bad guy falls to his death in his own alligator trap in episode 15. Wow. So, yeah. that's Okay, so, so mm-hmm. now here's another question. So something occurred to me. Mm-hmm. How, how much of that overwrought weirdness mm-hmm. is an artifact of that having been a serial script? A ton. Because a serial is going to be the same setup punch, setup punch every time. And then you got to end with a cliffhanger. So you got to yeah. get more and more out there. So you almost don't need the plot to hang together. So long as you can get me from the end of one to the beginning of the other, you've got me. And then just, yeah. you know, we can resolve because, that somehow and then these, go. These were all, these were all like mm-hmm. in the same spot as cartoons before the main feature of a, of a movie. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. Now, here's some things that set out uh, or that kind of stand out about the serial. First of all, it's set in Gotham, but it has the real world intruding, like I said, a real country. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, he's got the Batcave. This is the first time we ever see the Batcave, even to the point where the comic book responds by making there be a Batcave. We're going to see this again and again, where the movie oh, inspires shit. the comic. Yes. And at the time... Okay, wait. Yeah, okay. Fuck me. Okay. Okay, I Okay. I, I just... I, I Somehow, <laughs> yeah. that particular detail was yeah. not something that like came up again, again. Uh-huh. This is what happens when I'm the one writing the episode <laughs> notes as opposed to Damien. You'll notice that nowhere in my four-part, five-part fucking episodes I spent on it, a uh, magnum opus about the history of the comics that I mentioned when the fuck the Batcave appeared. Because to us, it has always been. So why would you go looking for when it started? That would be like saying, well, when's the first time he had a cowl? Like to us, Batman is defined by like three things. The mobile, the cowl, and the cave. Like those are the things. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, so, you know, yeah. I give you a big okay. pass on that. Because okay. shit, if I hadn't found this in this movie, <laughs> I wouldn't have known. All right. So... Fair but I, at the okay. time, it's called the Bats Cave. Apostrophe S. Because, because, it's, because it's full of bats. It belongs to the bats. Right. Yes. Sorry, that's a possessive. The Bats yeah. Cave. The cave that belongs okay, to wait. the bat. Yeah. Singular. Yes. Singular possessive. Yeah. 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 By the way. The uh, yeah. belongs to the bats. Yeah. The cave that's filled with the bats. Yeah. The Bats Cave. The Bats Cave. Sorry, yeah. I had to do a little bit of grok the, there. The bat but, as um, a collective, Yes. The bats. Yeah. Cave. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred was in this one too. Oh, really? And he was thin, proper, and competent. In the comics, he was chubby and bumbling, which I really think that both of us missed out on calling this podcast chubby and bumbling. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's no bat. <laughs> it's not too late. Starting in episode 101, you know. There um, we go. All right. Now there's no Batmobile, and and largely this is due to budget constraints. Well, so, yeah, because if you're gonna have yeah. a Batmobile, you have to have a fucking car. Well, Alfred and, drives them know. everywhere. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Yes. Wait. Yes. So what we're saying here is yeah. that that Alfred in this in this serial. Yep. Uh, He's the wheelman the <laughs> of of well, he he fills the role of Cato to the Green Hornet. Yes. Who who. You know, Green Hornet, of course, being semi-Batman oh, with yeah. a manservant. Yes. Thoroughly deconstructed, of course, in the in the recent uh-huh. film. But, uh-huh. wow. Yeah. <laughs> they also don't have utility belts. And yep. I, th- I think most importantly, he's legally sanctioned by the U.S. government because censors <laughs> didn't want vigilantes in the movies. Okay. That okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um trying to remember. Yeah, okay, because this is post haze code. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, vigilantism would not be would would not be smiled upon. Right. Especially at this time. Oh yeah, well yeah. Yeah. No now, kidding. This particular serial 
can't help itself but be hella racist. Um, <laughs> they, because it's 1943. It's yeah. the middle of World War II. Yeah. The bad guy is the Japanese. Yes. They mention his skin, his eyes. There's also, I don't know if you know this, but in, in, in Gotham, there's a little Tokyo. I had not realized it, but okay. There is one for this movie, at least. Um, and now here's where it gets really fucked up. It's almost entirely deserted because, quote, this was part of a foreign land transplanted bodily to America and known as Little Tokyo. Since a wise government rounded up the shifty-eyed Japs, it has become virtually a ghost street, end quote. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. You fucking kidding nope, me nope that happened I in that need, movie I need to find a video of that for when I teach US history I, I think we can find it because because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. no 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 I need you all to see this <laughs> <laughs> this is this is how this was presented at the time yep let's talk about that yeah holy fuck yeah wow yeah so that's a thing. I, I, oh my god, I don't have anything to say to that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I have plenty to say, but it's all the same phrase yeah. over and over again. Fuck yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to 1949 Batman. Yes, please, quickly. So there was another serial that came out in 1949, and this one is hilarious. So Columbia released another serial of Batman with nobody being the same. Um, it was called Batman and Robin, um, and okay. this time it stuck much more to the comic world that was created. Uh, his love interest was, God. yeah, well, because the war is over, you know, but his, well, yeah. his love interest is Vicki Vale, who one year prior had been introduced in the comics. Yes. Okay. Okay. He works with Commissioner Gordon. Yes. Now, throughout this because, serial... You know, vigilantism is still not smiling exactly. upon, so he's got to have some kind of partnership. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> this serial, they take on the wizard. Now, okay. the wizard has a remote control that can control all the vehicles in Gotham. But, of course, it requires diamonds to run on, hence all the heists. Okay, you know what? I'm still <laughs> more behind this than the radium <laughs> weird-ass gun like okay no no this one this one at least follows kind of standard comic book logic yeah that's true like that's true the other one one was just like wacky whack doodle like okay i gave i gave yeah i gave i gave my six-year-old a tape recorder and Mm -hmm. just listened to what he wanted to say the plot (laughs) was yeah this one this one i look at and go okay Knowing anything about science or physics or electronics or automobiles, I know none of that shit would actually work. Right. But within within the within the confines of you know its comic books, mm-hmm. I can at least look at it and go, okay, no, that hangs together. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is like, at a time if where I, if I know that, yeah, if if I know that I'm in comic book mode, I can go, all right, okay, I can okay, I can see that. Tell me more. Yeah. Okay. So, um. <laughs> Uh, I just I would just like to point out that it's 1949, so vehicles are not like that old yet as a part of the American landscape. So I could see some anxiety about them losing control. I mean, left-hand turn signals okay. were not like stoplights were not particularly common. You still had the cop out there to do it, and prior yeah. to that, it was the Wild West. Yeah, no, so, I, I, yeah. Under, I understand what you're saying. I, I think I think it has less to do with vehicles themselves being mm-hmm. a novelty, and it mm-hmm. has more to do with now they are everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. 40, they're, they're ubiquity. Was it was, yeah, yeah, it was it was now they are ubiquitous. Nobody has horses anymore. But it's but, I mean, still by, by this time that has been completely done away with. But in your parents' generation, like if you're a kid in 1949 going to see the serial, in your parents' generation, they still remember a time without cars. Fairly recent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a, a time without automobiles is still within living memory. Yes. Yes. So um, now, <laughs> this time. There was no budget put into to costuming, apparently, uh, or props or anything like that. 
So all the things that make Batman Batman were just the most slipshod costuming. The, the shittiest devices, the shittiest everything. Uh, the entire serial almost entirely takes place in the daytime. Uh, Batman's mm. outfit is clearly not yeah. made for the actor at the time. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. His name, by the way, is Robert Lowry. Um, here's a fun fact. Robert Lowry and George Reeve appeared in an army training film called Sex Hygiene. All right. I watched it. Because how could I not? Uh, He had a fairly long career that saw a lot of guest spots on a lot of TV westerns and stuff like that. So Lowry, Lowry was a working actor, a working actor, a journeyman. Yeah, you actually get to see Batman doing detective work though, and at one point he goes undercover and infiltrates the Wizards gang. Uh, But this particular serial is a lot less remarkable, uh, except for the fact that it's so shittily done. And has no budget, especially the outfits. I want to say that the car that they're driving is like just a Mercury. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. it's it's bad. I'm crazy about a Mercury. Yeah. I don't know why you're complaining. Well, because it's Batman. I'm going to buy me a Mercury and cruise it up and down the road. There you go. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so that that's the serials, um, which start getting played in the 1960s. In film festivals to start them off like a lot of you know oh, college okay. towns are having oh, film okay. festivals and they'll play the Batman movie and stuff like that um, and the result is that that inspires the TV series with the resurgence of these serials being rediscovered the TV series is seen as a viable possibility oh, okay and some, then you go. some executive yeah heard that hey the college kids are really into watching these old yes batman serials and laughing their asses off at it and laughing their asses off they got they got money to burn yep okay yep okay that makes way more sense than i wanted to (laughs) (laughs) so this brings us to the 1966 batman the famous one the adam west one the burt ward one the one where you've got the four main bad guys you've got you know the penguin the joker the riddler and Catwoman. you've got all of them in it and it's this wonderful it's 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 frankly the inspiration for what thanos did in avengers endgame um or or in avengers uh infinity war okay well i mean he snapped and everybody turned to dust So. Um, and and you know something occurs to me sure. that um, Catwoman. So the series only lasted two years, and if I'm remembering right, there were three actresses who played Catwoman. Yes, Julie Newmar. Yes, who forever is going to be my favorite. Eartha uh-huh. Kitt, who's uh-huh. a very very close second. Uh huh. And right now I'm blanking on who the third actress was. She was in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, it's because I believe like, Julie Newmar was physically unable to do it, and I forget why. I might have the notes in here as to why, though. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, fun story about the 1966 movie version of Batman. Okay. Got to set the Wayback Machine to about 1988, 1989. My little brother is four. So, we're talking okay. 88, 89. Uh, okay. he has PJs that are of Robin and he has PJs that are of Batman and he prefers the Robin ones cause they're much more colorful. And on the back of them, they have like a Velcro yellow cape and they got the little okay. R and the, the red and all that. Right. So my parents yeah. go to, we live in Bronson, Florida, which is a town of about 804 people at the time. And when we moved out, it was 800. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my brother uh, and I were home watching on one of the three channels that was available, uh, the Batman movie. My yeah. parents had gone off to a concert because living roughly in that same town was Bo Diddley. No shit. I went to school with his granddaughter. And she was kind of an How asshole. How have I yeah. known you this long and I haven't, like... Dude. Yeah. Okay. So my parents are at my high school gym. Now, again, I'm in fifth or sixth grade. 
My parents are in my high school gym uh, at my town's high school, the Bronson Eagles, the Fighting Eagles. Um, and my parents go to that concert. And they're having such a good time that they decide, let's go get William and, or William, Jesus Christ. I will never not mix up Bowie and William for some reason. Um, but, uh, and I'm sure my brother is going to hate that. And and my son will eventually. Um, yeah. But <laughs> they, they say, let's go get Bowie and Damien. Because this is really, really fun. Well, Bowie and Damien are sitting at home watching the Batman movie. Bowie in his Robin PJs. Get up, yeah. So... They come get us. Now, it's like probably 20 miles to get back to our house because we're in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. We're like way up close to the taint of Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, they come get us. They take us back there. Bowie is still in his pajamas. Okay. Four-year-old Bowie in his Robin pajamas jamming out to Bo Diddley because of this awesome. movie. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's very cool. So, and by the way, yes, um, just because I had to look it up because sure. it would drive me nuts otherwise. Lee Merriweather, thank you. Yes, was the third actress to play. Yes, Catwoman. So, so because of this movie, your your brother attended a Bone Diddley concert wearing Robin pajamas. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's. And and that's and that's why your brother has more nerd cred than I will ever achieve ever <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah, like, he started young. Holy shit! Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So this time, this is the one of the movies that everybody knows, right? Um, Adam West, who's never really quite escaped the TV series uh, and the movie stink of his campy ass Batman, and Burt Ward, who claims his dick was so big that he had to take dick shrinking pills to get the series right with the League of Catholic Decency. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I had somehow managed to miss that particular detail. Oh yeah. About his his uh, his his time in the green shorts, but okay. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I, yeah. I knew I knew that he he had uh, for a long time made a very great deal of just exactly how much tail he caught. Yes. Because of that role, yeah, yeah, and and while he was in that role, mm-hmm. now okay, at the time I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember here. I want to say that uh, Adam West was in his late 30s or his 40s mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. and Burt Ward was in his 20s, late 20s, early, early 30s. Early, I want to say early yeah, early 30s. Yep. Okay. Yep. And and just had you know boyish enough figures, uh, mm-hmm. boyish enough features, and figure yeah, uh, to to you know get away with with playing, uh, you know the ward. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's all. Just, so yeah, he's shrinking his dick so that the League of Catholic Decency yeah. doesn't come down on it's, the show. Yeah. yeah, so this is the guy that everybody <laughs> remembers. So yeah. Uh, now this is again the plot where the world's leaders are all dehydrated into Thanos dust by the Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman and yeah. Joker. Yeah, it's a beautifully campy movie. Yeah, here's some production notes though. Some um, days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Yes, yes. So did you know that Jack Lalanne was in a scene? No. Yes. Uh, they had a stunt cameo by Jack Lalanne. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch this movie because <laughs> I'm going to love it on a whole different level oh, now yeah. than when I was four. Oh, Holy yeah. crap. Okay. The movie was actually made to increase interest in the TV show because the TV show was already running. Yeah. The TV show came about partly, like I said, because of the 1943 serial that was getting popular again because of film house festivals where they'd have, quote, a night with Batman and Robin. And people loved the serial, so the TV show comes out. Yeah, yeah. The TV series is intentionally campy, uh, and some say that's what comics were at the time. They're not wrong. Originally, it was meant to be a Saturday morning TV show for the kids, similar to like The Lone Ranger or Superman. But CBS fucked it up. I don't think they did. I'm I'm just gonna say I don't I don't think. I mean, I I think at the time that they made that decision, everybody mm-hmm. was like, "What are you doing?" Putting no, no, prime time? they fucked it up. As in, they lost the rights to it, and ABC came in and gobbled it up. Oh, so okay, ABC okay. grabbed it up from DC. Oh, okay. ABC then turned it over to 20th Century Fox, 
which then handed it over to William Dozier. Now, William Dozier had a production company called the Greenway Productions, and he did the Green Hornet and Batman concurrently at the same time. The problem here, though, is that Dozier hadn't really read Batman when it was handed to him, so he did do research by reading as many of the comics as he could, and he decided that it should be campy pop art in its style. As opposed to the Green Hornet, Mm -hmm. which was a much more serious, gritty detective Mm -hmm. series, I mean, notably with Bruce Lee in the role of Kato, you know, kicking ass, taking names, like only Bruce Lee could. And still having to be second fiddle to a white guy. Yeah. So anyway. this this particular series was, it went that way. And ABC and 20th Century Fox did not think it should have gone that way. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, he said it kind of in opposition to the Green Hornet. He's like, well, we're already doing this, so let's go this other way. You know, because remember what else is coming out at that time is, is all kinds of broad brush, like psychedelia TV shows. You got the Partridge Family, the Monkees, and shit like that. So a lot of counterculture is on TV. Laughing. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the the espionage. Very no- interesting. Yeah. But stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot of the espionage novelists who were set to dig into writing the scripts were stunned at how he decided to envision it. Um, and so it really threw a lot of people for a loop uh, based on their expectations. He went camp and everybody was thinking he was going to go serious. Also, interesting. He, he was the uncredited narrator. No kidding. Yeah. Meanwhile, in yeah. stately Wayne Manor. Really? Yep. Yes. Gotham City. Oh God. Gotham, the city that never sleeps. But this time the Riddler's here. That guy. That's William Dozier. So nice. it was totally formulaic. It was absolutely mainstream in its appeal. And it was a very successful TV show. Uh, so here's here's some fun interplay with the TV series. Barbara Gordon, which is the commissioner's daughter. Who later becomes Batgirl? Created, created for the TV show. Yes, to, and I remember I remember an interview with her uh-huh. where uh, she found out, and I don't remember whether they told her this or if she like you know read something that wasn't necessarily supposed to be something she saw mm-hmm. as the actress. But she found out she the, the character had been created mm-hmm. to increase uh, audience interest mm-hmm. amongst. What was it? It was it was men from eighteen to fifty, mm-hmm. and girls under the age of thirteen. Yes. <laughs> and she said, and I read that and I went, well, okay, based on the costume, I can understand why one of those groups is going to be more interested. <laughs> where does the other one? And yeah. then apparently she ran into somebody at a convention, and it was and it was you know a, a somebody who had been a girl mm-hmm. you know at the time the show was on, who said you know, um, uh, and it, I, I, oh god now I can't remember the quote, but it was something like you know, uh, anytime I I see a scene where somebody gets their head kicked in, I think of you. Wow. And she was like, okay, well there's there's that's how that worked. I guess, guess. they were right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, Dozier came up with her for the TV series for those reasons. Then it works its way into the comics one year later. So again, you see interplay between the screen and the, the, the page. She was played by a woman named Yvonne Craig, who also played the green Orion slave girl named Marta on Star Trek in 1969. Wait, yep. wait. Yep. I'm looking it up because I don't believe you. Okay. You're kidding me. She uh-huh. was the same. Uh-huh. Holy crap. Oh my god, so many parts of my sexual awakening are explained <laughs> right here. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So right. this approach obviously catches a lot of flack for the TV show, but really it is kind of representative of comics in the nineteen sixties. You've got overwrought language, clever use of angles, non lethal everything, lots of primary colors, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Comics yeah. were campy, even if they weren't trying to be, because that was what the genre was because of the CCA. Well well, okay, because of the CCA and because this is also 
Um, I'm trying to remember when Warhol became Warhol. Late '60s, early okay. '70s. You okay, know. so yeah. so this this is the era of mm-hmm. pop art. Yes. And I'm trying to Warhol is the only name I can think of right now. But mm-hmm. you know, they're they're the the art form had become mm-hmm. it, it it had gotten it had flanderized itself. Yes. At this point. You know, Warhol to, really gets going in the early sixties, but like uh, yeah, yeah. So oh, but man, the, the silk screening and all the, the, the yeah. colors, yeah. You know, yeah, and and so yeah, you're you're entirely on the money that that you know the the comics had not yet had a a generation react to mm-hmm. what had been done to the art form by the CCA, right? Like so, this is, so so Congress said we're going to regulate you unless you do something, and the comic industry went, okay, well we don't want that, now, right. do we? Yeah, we'll self-regulate. And, and and like tripled down on no no no, we got to make sure they don't they don't come in here and mess with us. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, and, yeah. and so we, we have all the restrictions on storylines, mm-hmm. and then that has a knock on effect on the artwork which has a knock-on effect on the movies the scripting which mm-hmm. then has a knock-on effect on every other medium that winds up being tied into it the yes movies, tv series everything else yes and at every one of those steps like like ripples expanding out from a pond you get a magnification effect mm-hmm. and so yeah by by 68 that is that is almost Actually, I'm going to say that is in the comics. 68, 69 mm-hmm. is the high watermark for the comics being about as campy as they got. Yeah, yeah. Because it was then in the 70s they had a new crew of writers come in and go, "Okay, no, we're, we I've I've gone back and I've reread the original material, and we need to go back in this direction." I think there's also a a cultural shift that happens because of all the failures of 1968. You have, you know, you essentially have, you know, RFK getting killed. You have the tanks coming into Czechoslovakia. You have Charles de Gaulle getting elected. Um, you've you've got a huge surge of conservatism. By the way, you got Nixon. You've got a deepening of the conflict in Vietnam. The world is getting shittier. You've got the rise of barbiturates, much more than psychedelics and pot. Um, even the drugs take a different take. Like you've got a lot going on in '68, '69, uh, all the way leading up to Altamont in '70. I think it was in '70. Um, and so right. you you absolutely have all those things. So the world got darker, and the artists one hundred percent reflect that. Yeah. Well, the zitgeist moved away from goofy. Yes. Like like the yeah. monkeys, the monkeys could not have existed in seventy one. No, like, well, they could not have started. Yeah, they could right. have started. Yeah. In in seventy like like that that wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah. Um, just because. Uh, everybody, everybody had had gotten burnt out, and and the goofball factor was just not cool anymore. It was True. not something you could get away with doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and so okay, all right. So yeah, so, so the movie. Back to the yeah. movie. In yeah. in many ways, it's even broader stroke approach uh, to the campiness that we're seeing on TV. Um, Adam West is fairly unflappable as Batman. Um, and he'd actually agreed to do the film if he could be in more scenes as Bruce Wayne, because specifically he knew that eventually this Batman thing would end and he needed people to see that he could actually act and they needed to see his damn face. He even had a love interest with several scenes with Miss Kitka as Bruce Wayne, which of course end with him getting kidnapped as Bruce Wayne. Um, and yeah. thus he, as Bruce Wayne, has to fight out of it. And he, as Bruce Wayne, kicks a lot of ass. So in many ways, Adam West is showing that he can kick ass. Okay. Now here's All where right. it gets and, real and weird. For a working for a working actor, this is a meaningful concern. Absolutely. Now here's where it gets real weird. It was scheduled to premiere in Austin, Texas on August 1st, 1966. It was canceled. Would you like to guess why? Austin. Austin, Texas. 66. Think of really aggressive Jehovah's Witnesses. 
I'm blanking. Charles Whitman. Oh, shit. He's up in the watchtower. Oh. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. We're a long way in. Oh, I had another one earlier, a but yeah. Long, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, but but wow. Yeah, right. and this one was particularly dark and terrible. <laughs> just fucked up. So Charles Whitman attacked the University of Texas. Yeah. Um, there's actually a really good documentary on it uh, where they they illustrate as they're narrating and they're getting narration from people. It's it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Find it. I um, think I think I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I that I find most interesting about that is you know the theory now is that he had a brain tumor. Yes. That that his his you know complete like all of a sudden change in behavior was was you know neurologically based mm-hmm. and it's actually because of because of that that that's that's actually one of the theories that's been put forward about the las vegas shooter the, yeah yeah uh that, that it was a similar you know uh, uh neurological mm-hmm. thing creating that paranoid you know behavior yeah so um so yeah, that canceled the uh, the original uh, release. Um, the documentary, by the way, was called Tower. Oh right, okay. Yeah. So this particular movie was very much aware of its times, uh, similarly to how the first Batman serial was. Okay, the first Batman serial was all about World War II. It was very conscious of the time that it was in. This one is also very conscious of the time that it's in. It involves the United Nations. And it sees the United Nations in 1966 as an absolute good, but also as a perpetually arguing body. Yeah. So, yeah. To the point okay. where. Yeah. So so the people doing the writing were paying some level of attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, you've got okay. the real world intruding on some level because it's still, you know, Gotham. Um and this is to the point where the mix-up of everyone's language is actually seen as a hopeful sign to Batman. Because he says, well, at the end, remember, they, they, they scoop up everybody's Thanos dust and they, they rehydrate everybody. And then suddenly the guy from Nigeria is speaking English and the guy from England is speaking Japanese and the guy from Japan is speaking French and the guy from France is speaking mm-hmm. Nigerian and on and on and on. So uh, Batman says, you know, maybe they'll finally find a way to communicate. Um. It also deals with Cold War stuff, uh, specific. Well, because how yeah. could it not? Yeah, true, true. Like. It specifically calls out the Polaris missile as a plot device. Um, yeah. It also po- pokes fun at the Pentagon and at a glory-seeking president. Um, also, okay. if you go back to Bruce Wayne's love interest, Miss Kitka, there's an inherent distrust of Russians. Okay. Mostly, though, it's just kind of a fun, campy movie, and Batman is very tongue-in-cheek, and he's both wooden and superlative all at once. And, and you know, the thing is, I, I think within popular culture, I, th- I think within, within fandom, mm-hmm. this isn't a problem, but I think mm-hmm. within popular culture as a whole, I don't think Adam West gets nearly enough credit Mm -hmm. for managing to walk that tightrope in the role. I think he 100% did what they asked him to do, which is be campy as shit. Yeah. And at that time, that's what it called for. Because remember, this is still almost 20 years before uh, the Moore version in the comics. Okay. You know, this is is 1966. So... It's a campy time still. Well, yeah, but but I, how to put it, he 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 approaches all of that material with mm-hmm. as as you say he's simultaneously wooden and superlative, mm-hmm. and and watching it again as an adult, mm-hmm. one of the things I notice is that even as he is being a hundred and ten percent Dudley Do Right of the Mounties. Mm-hmm. There is a level of self-awareness. Oh yeah, in yeah. His, in his portrayal, that that that's that like, tongue in my, cheek. 
yeah, to, to my dad and to all of the other, you know, junior officers sitting there, you know, watching the show in the ready room, like I mentioned, you know, in my episodes, mm-hmm. um, that that was, I think, what made it cool. Sure. And yeah. And and I don't think for for all of his charms as the boy wonder, I don't think Burt Ward had the same level anywhere near the same level of 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 simultaneous he didn't manage to actually bring gravitas to it because mm-hmm. because Adam West managed to to somehow through subtext make it clear that he was in on the joke. Yeah. He it it added, was that smirky look gravi- he had. Yeah, yeah. He added gravitas to mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah, I would agree. That 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 Burt Ward didn't quite ever manage to pull off. Yeah, it looked like Burt Ward was trying too hard. Yeah, which you know? is kind of perfect for being Robin. I mean, it really is. It know, really you is. You get down to it. And, and you know, and yeah, and, and I think in, in the process of doing all of that, mm-hmm. um, I think there was, and 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 I'm, I may be getting ahead of myself, but I think in in the later adaptations that were a that were a response to the '66 series. And thank you for saying that because that's that. yeah. In in all of those responses, I think there was this rush within within fandom, mm-hmm. and and within within the later movies themselves to. You know, kind of, kind of, you know, uh, kick sand over the memory of '66 and be like, "Well, we're not doing that." Mm-hmm. And I think the urge to to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. in retrospect, because I was totally part of that when I when I saw the first Burton movie and and you know the movies that came after that, I totally bought into that narrative. But looking back on it now, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? That's doing a disservice to like literally everybody who acted in the TV series and in that movie. Uh, you know, Gorshin's Gorshin's Riddler mm-hmm. is iconic. Oh like, yeah, I genuinely, yeah. I genuinely do not think anybody else who has played the Riddler since. In, in in on TV or mm-hmm. or in the in the films, has gotten anywhere near managing to capture that character that well. Well, I and think it was. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I think that you hit on it uh, in in two spots there, especially one. The whole series was iconic. They are icons. They are not fully fleshed out characters. They are one dimensional, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's okay. Because that's what that was. But it's almost as though it was a separate genre from those that came after. But the other thing you pointed out is is kind of the point I want to end on for this episode. Um, and that is everything that came after this was 100% responding to, whether it was rejecting or paying homage to, it was responding to the Adam West TV series and movie. I don't think you could get Burton... Um, and everyone who followed after him, if you didn't get uh, Adam West's Batman, no, yeah, no, I and and you know I, I think I think that's that's one of those very strong statements that we feel like we need to defend. Mm-hmm. But if we say that in a room full of Batman fans, nearly all of them are going to be like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah," you know, it's one of those things that like, "No, no, I'm gonna. This is the hill I'm gonna die on." Everybody else is like, "And I'm gonna die on it with you." Yeah, well, and yeah, this Batman also is the last one who actively works with the police and doesn't work parallel to them. um, Because, yeah. That's an interesting note. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we'll see that in uh, in subsequent episodes. Yeah. Yeah, there's some symbolism there. Yeah. So, what is your takeaway from these three Batman films? (laughs) Um, I'm still getting over Gotham City having a radium supply <laughs> and and um, just how wildly, incredibly yellow peril racist mm-hmm. uh, the narration could get. Mm-hmm. And and like the historian in me 
hears that and goes, well, you know, 43, World War II, et cetera. But the grew up in California and Hawaii surrounded by Asian classmates part mm-hmm. of me goes, the fuck? <laughs> like, like, really? Interesting. Like, who, the hell, who the hell produced this? Was this was this done in Alabama? Like, no, it was Columbia. The, the holy hell. Columbia Pictures. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> intellectually, I yeah, know, yeah. That, but on an emotional level, as a as a Gen Xer, mm-hmm. who again, uh, you know, grew up surrounded by you know Asian peers everywhere I went, mm-hmm. like I can't imagine. I I just can't wrap my head around anything that blatant racist yeah well and and yet i mean like i said i want to get a hold of it to show it to my students like no no really Mm -hmm. it was a thing because like it's it's an important it's an important thing to recognize in our history but yeah that's that's yeah yeah wow yeah it's it's youtubeable by the way okay all right i'll have to i'm gonna have to look that up so cool well, uh, is there anything that you are reading or watching that you want people to check out? Well, right now, uh, I'm I'm in the middle of getting uh, student work graded uh, in order to let my students know, uh, pardon me, what the assignments are that they need to get caught up on before the end of our grading period at the end of this coming week. Uh-huh. So I don't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> Like at all fair, ever, fair. and the and the teachers and teacher adjacent people in our audience are all going to go, mm-hmm, yep. Nah, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't have anything uh, that I can that, I, that I'm currently reading that I can recommend. Uh, but I will say again, coming back from my episodes, I am mm-hmm. very much going to recommend Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. Um. Because there's going to be reflections of Batman Year One in the films that we're going to be talking about coming up. Yes. And um, if you have a strong stomach and you really want to get into developments in Batman canon, um, then uh, The Killing Joke. Uh, But I am going to say... It, it requires a strong stomach because there is some ugly, ugly shit in there. Uh, Alan Moore himself said, in retrospect, that the editors at DC should have reined him in. Yeah, he said that only a few months after, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was very shortly after its initial publication. It was like, yeah, they, they, I, there's stuff in there I shouldn't have done. <laughs> um, you know, but, but as a, as a part of the, of the development or evolution, development's mm-hmm. the wrong word. It's as a part of the evolution of all of the characters involved. I think it's it's important. Okay. Put it that way. How about you? I'm going to recommend a documentary. Well, it's really a mockumentary. Um, it's called The Civil Hoax, um, and it's called okay. it's a it's about Civil War deniers, and it's a, only an hour long, and it is goddamn hilarious. Okay, wait. Hold mm-hmm, on. So mm-hmm. you say it's a mockumentary. Yes. But I but I need to I need to ask. Mm-hmm. Are there actually people who denied the Civil War? Oh yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Are you we have a president who denies aspects of the Civil War. Well, okay, but okay, aspects yeah. fine, but like they deny that the fucking thing happened well they deny the reasons for which it happened and they say that it was other reasons um or there's you got to watch it i don't want to give it all away but it is it is hilarious okay so yes i recommend strongly that one the civil hoax okay and and we both right now are at different points uh in our way watching our way through uh, letter kenny yeah i'm second wave through it but yeah yeah it's it's, yeah it's a thing of beauty Highly recommended. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, where can we find you on the social medias? Uh, on the social medias, I am E.H. Blaylock on TikTok and uh, the Twitter machine. 
and on uh, Instagram, I am Mr. Blaylock. Uh, and you can find the two of us collectively uh, at Geek History Time on the Twitter machine. And Mr. Harmony, where can they find you? You can find me on the Twinsta at Duh Harmony, two H's in the middle, uh, both on Twitter and Insta. Uh, you can also find me every Tuesday night on a uh, on uh, a Geek History of Time. No, that's Friday oh, nights. That's Friday nights. Yeah, you can find me every Tuesday night on uh, Capital Punishment uh, on twitch.tv forward slash Capital Puns. Um, now, this episode's going to come out many, many weeks later, but I would just like to point out that my brother was on the show, as was friend of the show, Tessa, and they slayed. And then my brother went on and whooped the hell out of me and my partner, uh, proving well, once okay. again, he's the more he, clever of the two of us. But he didn't win. No, of course not. It's a boss battle. It's, it's set up for people battle. to lose. Yeah. <laughs> no. But but he did he did, he did did own... Pretty hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's well. standard Big Brother fare is, oh, no, yeah. you did better, and I still win. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. So much I missed out on as an only child. Oh. Wait, no, the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite of that. There we go. So, yeah, well, Bruce Wayne also an only child. Uh, so. Well, anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. So for A Geek History of Time, I'm Damian Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock, and tune in to catch us again, same bat time, same bat channel. Na 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 na.